0: Southern queries. I'm India Bastien.
1: And I'm Aubrey Calvin. Together we explore being a part of the LGBTQ community and the South. A quick note on terminology. On this show, we let guests identify in the best way they're comfortable with. Some of the terms or topics might be different, new, or uncomfortable to you.
0: That discomfort is part of what we're exploring together. We encourage you to listen with an open heart and continue these discussions with your larger community. We encourage
1: any meaningful and politeful feedback. Thanks, and welcome to Southern Queries. Hey, India. Hey, Aubrey. How are you doing today?
0: I'm all right. It's a Monday, so, but we're good. How are you?
1: I'm okay. It is a Monday and we don't usually record on Mondays, but we're going to make it work.
0: Yeah, so I'm really excited for our guest today because I'm a big fan of Taylor Alexander and um, they actually asked a question on their social media um, about maybe a month ago about who is your queer root and it really got me thinking it sparked some awesome conversations between Allison and I, my fiance, but Aubrey, I want to know who your queer root
1: is. Oh, that's unexpected. (laughs) I don't, I don't think I have a queer root. (laughs) And I don't think
0: you need to have one. I just thought it was an interesting.
1: No, I don't think I have one because. And this is going to sound so bad and this is not me avoiding it, there are just blocks in my 20s that I don't remember.
0: I have blocks in my teens that I don't.
1: Because I was uh, in and out of depression and with different types of medication and antidepressants and whether questioning whether I was bipolar or not, there are a lot of blocks where I just don't remember parts of my 20s because I was on different meds and I was sleeping a lot and I just don't remember things yeah I know that Washington DC was a big part of it because it was so open so freeing oh okay I know my queer root actually okay I do let's hear it okay so there, is, there was a writer named E. Lynn Harris, so the initial E, and, and he wrote a lot of black urban fiction, okay. and he was gay, and actually a lot of his books were about people who were gay or people, black people who were gay or black people who were on the down low trying to navigate heterosexual worlds. And so I read Elon Harris's books, and he was one of those where I read the book as soon as it came out. I would go to the I would go to the bookstore and get it as soon as he put out a new book. And because it was a series where all the characters were, it wasn't like a series where everybody was like one story told all the way through. It was different characters kept popping up in different stories, and so I actually got. I actually started reading Elon Harris because my mom was reading him. And I was looking for something to read one summer, and she gave me his book. And I don't know if she knew what was, if she had even read it yet. And that mm-hmm. definitely sent me down this journey of what it means to be black and queer uh, in a far more urban, cool, sophisticated way than I ever will be. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm suburban mom queer. where my daughter and I are planning to reorganize my closet because my fashion sense is horrible. And Elin Harris's books, his books were so smooth and the characters were successful attorneys and they lived in these beautiful high rises and they had all this kind of a jet setting, culturally wonderful lives. And I absorbed his books. And then I started to read other books about black queer culture And, you know, with me, everything is books, because I don't understand people, and I don't understand social situations. But once I started reading about it, everything made sense to me.
0: I love that, Aubrey. That's awesome. Well, with that said... I'm very excited to bring them on show today and talk to us about not only their queer route, but what they're doing, because they're doing a lot of stuff.
1: I'm actually looking forward to listening to this interview because I was not in on this one. You did this by yourself, right?
0: Yeah. It was very sad. I missed you.
1: It was terrible. (laughs) I'm sorry. And so I did have a family emergency, you know, as I said in my introduction episode, I live in a multi-generational household. So it's not just me and my wife, it's our daughter. And then as well, it's my mother-in-law. So sometimes medical emergencies come up or sometimes doctor's appointments or things like that get in the way. And this was one of those where just unexpectedly I had to go do some, I had to go take care of a family emergency and we're all okay, but you were gracious enough to do this interview without me because I was not able to make it back to my microphone in time.
0: Yeah. But the rest of the episodes, hopefully, we won't have these kind of things happening. Knock on wood. Everyone's healthy and safe.
1: <laughs> yes, hopefully, hopefully. Also, I don't know. It might become a thing where occasionally you interview someone without me, or occasionally I interview someone without you. You never know. We're still trying to figure out the format. We're still a young, growing podcast, so you never know. True. True. I'm excited to to talk to them. So Woo. this is going to be exciting. Cue music. No. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Alexander is a DIY musician, drag performer, and community organizer based in Atlanta, Georgia. Alexander is the co founder and executive director of Southern Fried Queer Pride, an Atlanta based nonprofit organization empowering Black, queer, and trans people of color, and they center communities in the South through the arts. Uh, They are also the mother of the House of Alexander, an Atlanta-based drag family and events hub, creating drag-centered, inclusive events.
0: Taylor, welcome to the show.
1: Thank
2: you for having me.
0: (laughs) I'm so excited to have you. I don't know if you remember where we met, but I do.
2: (laughs) I feel like it was at an event, maybe an SFQP event. And maybe I was in drag. I'm not sure. But I know it was, it was someplace at an event, I believe.
0: Technically, that was the second time we met. But the <laughs> first time we met, I was on a double date uh, with my then-girlfriend, Kath. And we were at a Bubba Tea, like, cafe. And we were going to go next door. I can't even remember what the restaurant was called. I feel like it was called Gusto. And they had, like, rice bowls. Yes, I Two for one, like you wear flannel and then you get one free. (laughs) So we stopped to get Bubba Tea and you were sitting there with your laptop and you had all these stickers on your laptop and you were typing away with sparkly nails. And I elbowed my then girlfriend, Kath, and I was like, I just want to be friends with them. So she looked at me, I looked at her, and I was like, fuck it. So I just walked up to you and introduced myself and asked you to come with us. (laughs) You kind of gave me one of those looks like, uh,
1: okay.
0: (laughs) But somehow I persuaded you to give me your card and um, follow you on Facebook, and so we became social media friends, and then I was bumping into you into different events.
2: okay.
0: And right before I moved, this was really meaningful to me, but right before I moved, you had posted that you were looking for furniture and a bed um, for your house. And I couldn't take my furniture. So I was like, ooh, I have one. It's free. Come get it. <laughs> so you did.
2: <laughs> yes. We picked it up. And you know, we were gonna just like give it away at like a uh, SFQP does like queer threads, like pop up their shops. And I was like, okay. This has been given to me, let me just give it back to the community. But then um, me and my partner, we were living in an apartment before, the house we live in right now, and the bed came with the apartment and it was just a very sketchy bed. Like, I was just like so happy to have a bed. I was like, I don't care if anybody else was like slept on this, but then it just got real nasty. So I kept the bed and now it's the same bed and mattress topper that uh, we have right now. And it's lovely
0: comfortable I can't tell you how much I missed that bed (laughs) but (laughs) I felt really good about giving away most of my furniture because that's what I did I was I was determined to donate it to either causes or people who inspired me and you were one of them so anyway those were my like special connection moments with you
2: (laughs) (laughs) wow I forgot that I used to do that like I used to just go to Places and work on my laptop. Remember, like going out and doing things before COVID. Right? So <laughs> long ago.
0: <laughs> I know, it feels like ages. Um, so before we deep dive, I'd love to hear how you identify and why is that identity important to you.
2: Um, I identify as tired. Um, <laughs> <and maybe>. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Tired, <laughs> exhausted. No, I think um, identify as non-binary, specifically a gender. I just don't have a gender. Gender is exhausting to me. I think, you know, as much as I like do drag and like do exaggerate like femininity and then also like play with masculinity, I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just an experience, as they say on Steven Universe. Um, and then sexually identify as queer. So as long as you're like a, a decent person and like, I like having a conversation with you. It's like really easy to get along with me. So that's how I identify.
0: And your pronouns?
2: I use they, them, or she, her.
0: Love it. So tell me what does non-binary and gender mean to you?
2: So to me, it means that you're outside of the, the gender binary. Um, it means that, you know, it's a basic understanding that you do not agree with the gender that you were assigned at birth. Um, and you don't necessarily identify solely as a man or solely as a woman uh, there's plenty of different types of like non-binary people there's like you know bigender people who switch between kind of the binaries of man and woman there's uh, some people who feel more so like a woman but also a little bit like a man there's also people who just don't identify or like subscribe to either and it's just a completely I call it the gender universe I think a lot of people say like the gender spectrum and uh, saying like a spectrum, ha- it has like a definitive, like two points to it. We're all navigating the gender universe. We're just all over the place. Some over here on Pluto, like completely non binary, no gender at all. Some people are over here on Mars and they're like firmly a man or firmly a woman. So it's really all over the place. But to me, non binary just means that you're not specifically binary. You're not man or a woman. You're something a little bit more detailed than than that.
0: So tell me about your coming out story. Like, how did you come to these terms? I know some people have several coming out stories. Like first, Mm -hmm. maybe they came out as gay. Later, they encountered the word queer. And then as things progress, maybe you're like, whoa, non-binary? Yes. Like, what was that journey like?
2: Well, for me, I I knew that I wasn't uh, straight from a very young age and i think you know especially being here in the south i hate to say it but you know i think in certain parts of the country you experience homophobia queerphobia and transphobia a little bit more intensely um it was always read to me that uh being gay or being queer was wrong you know people kids were using queer and gay as like pejoratives in like elementary school and i had like no idea what those things meant cuz like my parents didn't have those kind of conversations with me Um, but I knew I wasn't straight. And once I found the language for it, I was already pretty much like coming out to everybody at school. I was like, yep, I'm bi. Yep. I'm this. Yep. I'm gay. And you know, that changes with time. Um,
0: and this was like high school or
2: this seventh and eighth grade. It just like clicked in my mind. I was like, okay, I'm not straight. Here I am. It wasn't like a, I never had a moment where it was just like, oh, like, woe is me, like, this is, like, the end of my life, or, like, this is terrible. I never had any, like, shame around knowing that I was queer. It was just the struggle with, it was everybody else's struggle with with queerness, per se. I was fine with it. Uh, I didn't feel like I was less than. I didn't feel like, you know, that I was somehow less of a human being because I was queer. It was mm-hmm. just everybody else that had their own opinions and their own hatred towards queerness that I had to navigate. Um, so in eighth grade, was it summer? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was eighth grade is when I was kind of like forced out the closet by my parents, specifically my dad. Uh, And it was like a tense family discussion. My dad was pretty chill about it. Um, my mom, on the other hand, was just like, we didn't teach you to be like this and all this stuff. And, you know, it was just, I feel terrible because I felt like I was a very bratty teenager. I was just like, you're making this about you. And this is literally about me right now. So that was my first time like coming out and you know we had a discussion i was like i'm not straight and they're like okay and then we didn't talk about it for some years and then in high school i started my school's first gsa um so my high school had never had a gay straight alliance and i did this without asking for my mom's permission because i didn't need her permission i i've always been like if i want to do something i'm going to do it um and so everybody at the school knew who i was everybody pretty much accepted me yeah people were homophobic but you know you kind of get that when you're in high school. Um, and so I started the GSA and my brother went to the same high school as me. He's two years younger than me. Um, and some of the people, some of the parents in the in the band, so he played in the band, the school band, and some of the parents of the students uh, were like talking about it because apparently the kids told them that, you know, I was starting this gay club. And then it got to my mom and we had this like conversation in the kitchen one day. And she was like, I heard through the grapevine that you're starting a gay club. I'm like, it's a gay straight alliance. It's just a a, a space for like LGBTQ students at at the high school. And, you know, she had that same thing where it's like, I didn't teach you to be this way, I didn't raise you to be this way. And uh she also said some very harmful things that I think were very kind of uh deep in stigma around HIV and AIDS.
1: Mm.
2: Uh she definitely said that Thing that i think a lot of southern mothers say was like don't come don't don't crawl back to me if you're sick or don't 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 like uh go out there and get sick and then come back to me and and complain about it and i was like word okay great perfect love that <laughs> our, our 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 relationship has limits um so that was pretty much it we didn't really talk about it um more But I think over the past few years, there's been a few kind of like coming out moments. Like she's realized that I do drag now and she's, you know, she talks about it and brings it up in conversation. She knows that I have a long-term partner. Um, She knows In a positive way? In a positive way. It's been very slow, but I don't know what happened. Maybe it's, you know, me moving out of the house and becoming independent and not really relying on them for anything. I've pretty much been independent from my family since like I was 18 when I came to uh, Atlanta to go to school. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> independent. Um, but I think, I think that was her major things that she didn't want me to just like, and maybe because she didn't know, because education around being queer is like not a, a highly publicized kind of source. So maybe she was thinking, Oh, Taylor's going to move to the city involved in like drugs and sex and like come back HIV positive or strung out on drugs or like doing all these things. And then she sees that I'm relatively happy, you know, depression is there. Um, (laughs) Like independent. So she's like, okay, so Taylor did fine. Um, Now the only aspect of my life that my parents haven't really delved into is that they don't know about my being trans. Um, And I haven't told them because I'm the kind of person where, I don't really need their kind of like validation in that department. I know some people need their parents to like see them for who they really are and to kind of, you know, affirm them and uplift them because that's their connection. With me, I'm pretty distant from my family, not out of like, I hate my family. It's just like, I'm very to myself as a person. So having that kind of validation from like my parents in terms of my trans identity, is not something I've I've kind of... Uh, talked about with them. So that's like the next, that's the next terrain. So first it came out as bi then it came out as gay. And then eventually I came out to myself as queer. They still think, I think they think that I'm gay (laughs) as of right now. And, you know, now they know I have a long-term partner. They know that I do drag. So the next thing is trans. um, And I know that will probably be a longer conversation. Um, It's funny because my brothers, even though I've blocked them on all social media, they still follow me and like see stuff from time to time. Like I found out my youngest brother who just started college, he listens to all of my music, which I don't share with my family. Like my whole artistic life, like music, drag, SFQP, I don't really talk about that at all with my family. They don't know that SFQP exists. They don't know how long I've been doing drag. They don't know that like, I'm a musician that like does like tours through the states and whatnot and has performed in like various places um but he like listens to my music I think he's seen me in drag sometimes my middle brother Aaron he um he constantly brings up randomly about like non-binary topics like oh yeah I have tons of friends who use they them pronouns and I'm just like how much about my life do you know like where are you finding information
1: sweet though. That
2: it's sweet. It's sweet, <laughs> so, it could be completely opposite, but I'm very, I'm very uh, fortunate to not be in a, a more toxic kind of situation.
0: So wait, follow up questions. Um, Cause I do want to talk to you about Southern Fried Queer Pride and yes. your music. Cause I am so pumped about it, but, but so you grew up outside of Atlanta, correct?
2: Mm-hmm. In I grew up uh, an hour South of Atlanta. It's a town called Griffin um it's a pretty regular it's like the last city on the metropolitan area so like literally half the county is like suburbs around like walmart and then the other half is like country and pastures and farmlands and i'm from the farmlands i'm from where the cows are
0: okay my <laughs> other follow-up question is you said you came out gay to your family and then came out queer to yourself what's
2: mm-hmm. the difference for me Queerness and being queer, identifying as queer, it's a two-parter for me. There's a, a kind of sexual orientation attraction component. Mm-hmm. I realized that my sexuality is not predicated on uh, how a person identifies, how they express themselves, how they, you know, anatomy or whatnot. It's just really about the energy of the person. Mm-hmm. You know, I've dated all across the the gender spectrum. I've been with people who are intensely mask presenting and who are intensely fan presenting um it's all about energy to me and do we have do i have types absolutely um don't we <laughs> <but> all <laughs> we all have types like no nobody who like nobody who really says like oh i don't have a type like you have a type you know um we all do i think but you
0: just don't know it yet
2: <laughs> don't know it yet or maybe like it's there but you just don't see it yeah um, but yeah, my, my sexual orientation is just open, it's queer. Um, I wouldn't say, I don't know, I think personally queer for me makes more sense than calling myself like bisexual or pansexual. Mm. Um, I think there's also this understanding that queerness is not just how you love people or how you interact like sexually with people, but it's also kind of like how you see yourself in the world and how you move about the world, especially like politically. Um, and queerness is in the spirit of you know breaking down the gender binary and expanding gender expression and gender identity is also understanding that attraction isn't this like point system or it's not this uh spectrum it's just like what it is and I think um there's a certain kind of intent behind being queer that isn't there for me personally with identifying as like bisexual or pansexual. It just, you know, I think everybody has like attachments to certain words and they feel good. Some people absolutely hate the word queer and that's completely valid and I respect those people. But to me, I have a weird reaction to the term bisexual or pansexual when applied to me. It just doesn't fit. And queerness just feels natural for me.
0: I love that. I love it how it's the feeling that you're looking for. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me, um, I've been to a lot of Southern Fried Queer Pride events, but I want to hear in your own words, what is it?
2: <laughs> it is my baby project. No, it's, um, what can I say about SFQP? So SFQP is a, this is what I put in all the grant applications, <laughs> is a uh, Atlanta-based queer and trans arts and community organization uh uplifting southern narratives in arts and culture especially those from black and brown folks um so to like really like make it more like simple to say is that we're a community arts organization um we started in 2014 it was kind of born out of me and my friends uh constantly wanting to find spaces in atlanta to just like be ourselves and meet other people um so we started we started like formulating this idea in 2013, 2014. You know, we were all in college. Uh, most of us were still under 21 around that time. Um, but, you know, if you didn't, if you weren't, if you were under 21, there the amount of spaces that were queer in Atlanta that you could access were just like near zero.
1: Like, right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like you're just at a bar or a club. Like there used to be places like Outright Bookstore that used to be in Midtown, um, but that closed down probably 2012, 2013, and that was, like, one of the few spaces that, like, you could just go and be and be around other, like, queer and gay people. Um, But everything else was, like, bars and clubs, and also sometimes those places were not exactly um, inclusive of people of all gender identities, of all expressions, but also of all ethnicities. You know, a lot of places here in Atlanta, especially gay establishments, I would like to say it, um, are very anti-Black and are very anti-brown too as well um if you're not a cisgender white gay man then i think you're looked at differently um a lot of the spaces in atlanta are misogynistic and you know it was hard to find spaces where we could just like be ourselves find people who are under 21 and also like believe in this idea that you can be from the south and be happy Mm
1: -hmm. you know
2: i think um there's this idea that Southern queer people are just like going through the worst, like because of our government, because of being in the Bible Belt and what have you, that we're all just like suffering down here. And do we struggle in certain capacities? Absolutely. There's lots of things we, uh, obstacles that we have to overcome, but there's also like a rich history and a rich community. And I really think that Atlanta is one of the most amazing kind of queer hubs in this country, at least that I've been to. do we have our faults and our things that we need to change? Absolutely. fucking um,
0: So, I mean, it sounds like SFQP was founded to serve a need that the larger Atlanta queer population wasn't addressing. Specifically for you, if it didn't exist, why not just create it? Yeah. How do you think your organization, festivals, and events are different from, like, let's say, Atlanta Pride?
2: So... Fun story about that when we first started out, we were all we were very not anti Atlanta pride, but we were very critical. like one of our first like major events was like critiquing having cops and the whitewashing of pride and um you know that's always been a part of our our legacy. you know we are a pride organization, a pride festival. Uh, but what we do is more grassroots and more DIY and more like from the people, for the people, by the people. Yeah. Whereas a lot of pride movements and festivals are very corporate. It's like, look how much Wells Fargo loves you. Look how much Coca-Cola loves you. And it's like merch and, and all this other stuff, but the the sense of community is kind of lacking. Um, so I think that what we've done is we've we've created our own kind of like space in our community where everybody has access to it you know we don't have uh membership fees we don't do that we don't do like applications it's like if you want to come on and do an event you can come on and do an event and we'll teach you in the process like how to put on an event how to make it you know the most accessible it can be how to probably promote it and how to like bring people together um and i think that we're just so used to you know especially in the queer community having to go through like hoops and having to go through so many steps to just be like seen by other people in the community when we have the power to just like be and exist and give everybody the spotlight um and i think that's what really sets us apart from especially like major pride organizations um but also just like other kind of like institutions here in the city you know i know that like anytime you like you'll mention certain places here in atlanta there's always somebody being like oh well I don't feel safe going to this space because X, Y, Z, and they're very like valid reasons. Like there's no women at this space and it feels like misogynistic. There's no trans people and it feels transphobic. There's no black people at this space. Mm -hmm. And I feel like um, we're doing a great job at, you know, being a space where everybody can be seen and where everybody can feel kind of held together, you know? Cause I, I think we've done also a great job at like bringing on people as organizers who don't all look the same. I feel like, the entire community is somewhat represented within you know our team which is like 12 to 30 people um so yeah i think that's what we've done well so far in like the first six years
0: well and to our listeners i've been to these events and i could not agree more they were all super valuable and really awesome and as an invisible person of color because I'm half Mexican um I don't think people just think I'm white and then I'm also straight passing I still felt welcome so even though I don't look the part I still felt welcomed in that space and it was really beautiful
2: I honestly don't understand the idea of straight passing because it's just like like it's just so I I don't I don't get it I don't I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out why, what straight passing is because what has been explained to me is that, Oh, this person, if you looked at them, you wouldn't know that they're gay or, you know, that they're queer or bi or what have you. And it's just like, this is not, it's not helpful to buy people, pan people, queer people, trans people. It's like, what does a straight person look like? Cause I get read as straight sometimes. And I'm, I'm literally sometimes wearing like hoop earrings and like my nails done and somebody will be like, you find new girls lately and i'm just like hold the fuck up (laughs) 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 what is happening here so i don't understand i don't i don't understand how anybody can be straight passing unless they just have like a sign that says i'm straight i don't i don't get it I i think
0: my struggle with it is people just assume i have a husband or assume that i am with a man and I'm welcome in, welcomed into these, I say air quotation marks, into these groups of women who all want to talk about how horrible their boyfriends are. And they go around, like, you know, we're all sitting in a circle. Usually it's like co-workers. And <laughs> then they look at me and they're like, what about you, India? And I'm like, uh, well, actually, my fiat, she, she, <laughs> you know, and I have to specify mm-hmm. or I don't because I'm used to using they, them pronouns for everyone, because I've tried mm-hmm. to make it a habit in my language, and so sometimes there'll be months when I'm trying to get to know someone, they don't, they don't realize that I'm with a woman until they meet her, and then mm-hmm. they're like, why did not you say something, and I was like, did I have to specify in front of it that I, right. I don't know, we can talk about this for hours, but um, <laughs> I did want to ask you something that you posted online a few weeks ago, and mm-hmm. it got me thinking, about it, but I wanted to know more about your answer. Um, Mm -hmm. You posted who is your queer root and why they're special to you. So I'd love to hear your answer and tell me where did this term root come from? Like, tell me more.
2: Yeah, so I, when I first came to Atlanta, I went to GSU and uh, one of the classes that I took was like intro to LGBT studies. Um, just because I wanted to, like, learn more, and so I was reading a, we had a few books that we had to read for the class, and one of them, I forgot the title of it, but it was, I had, like, a chapter that was about queer roots, and, like, queer roots are people, are um, situations, or movies, or, like, any kind of, like, thing that kind of, like, signaled to you, like, oh, I'm, I'm not straight, I'm not just this i'm something else whether like it signaled that you're queer whether it kind of like ignited the spark that maybe you're trans um so for a lot of people you know it's like TV's and movies. sometimes it's uh music um so for me i think my first queer route and part of the reason why my my last name is alexander is uh, miss j alexander that used to be a host on a uh on or used to be a judge on america's next top model so she's this you know This, like, dark skinned, black, feminine being who's just like flamboyant, but also like serious and like just like commands attention. And I think that was the first time that I saw somebody that had kind of like feminine, flamboyant characteristics like me Mm that I was constantly having to like repress to feel safe in my city and in my school. Um, And so that was the first time I was like, oh, there's other options besides just being straight and being kind of like masculine and like depressing um <laughs> <laughs> yeah she was she was the first one and then it kind of went on from there I know that you know some people you know have cited movies like uh but I'm a cheerleader or uh the documentary on Brandon and Tina and so much so many other things just like things that made you think like okay there's there's other options and for me Miss J Alexander was like my first queer root. And then, uh, kind of like learning more about queer history and learning more about uh, Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson and the Stonewall uprisings. Yes. Just like made me, it was like a queer route for like my trans identity and also for like my kind of activism because, you know, they were sex workers, they were also drag reformers, and they were also community activists. And, you know, from the age of 18 when I moved here to Atlanta, I've kind of, checked off each of those you know I have been a sex worker I still do drag and I'm using my drag and me outside of drag as well to do community activism so I feel like learning more about like queer history has been a root of like how I how I move in society and who I am today
0: same same so why did you found is that the right word found co-found founded I I feel like my Pre, like present <laughs> is not working today um why did you found the house of alexander
2: so i have been performing in drag in atlanta um or just in drag period um for eight years little it was eight years in january
0: eight years wow i didn't realize it was that long that's amazing
2: sometimes i forget <laughs> but yeah i've been performing for eight years and i feel like with my drag you know, yes, I do the typical bar nights and the typical like shows at clubs and whatnot. Um, But I feel like if anything, I'm definitely like the community queen of Atlanta. Like, I feel like people don't really, I feel like most people talk about drag performance, like, oh, she's a queen and she performs this Beyonce, this Beyonce number where she's a a, a host and she does this show at this bar. And I feel like with most people with me, they talk about like the activism that I do with my drag. Yeah. because to me and how I've learned about drag is that as much as it is a form of entertainment, there's a certain kind of community aspect to it. I'm not saying that every single show I do is going to be like a a rally and protest, even though that does happen from time to time. Or but, frequently. <laughs> you know, but there is this understanding that as much as I'm entertaining people, I'm also like providing a space of community. You know, every drag show is an opportunity for people to see themselves reflected. Um, and be around each other um so I have ran shows here in Atlanta since 2013 Sweet Tea was the first show that I did started that in 2013 and then Amen I started in 2017 and then Chug started in 2019 maybe that was last year I think that was last year um but I had started so like,
0: relevant now <laughs>
2: <So> <laughs> relevant. nothing nothing matters time is safe but um I had like started gathering a like, small little family of like people that like I would help them with their drag we would do shows together um and I've always wanted to have like a, a drag family a drag house I don't have a drag mother um I was kind of like a part of this age of drag that kind of just started off the internet you know um Partly in due because of RuPaul's Drag Race and like having that access to seeing drag on like a national television show, Sure. Um, was kind of like oh I can I there's I can do this because you know drag for me is a combination of all of my talents it's it's community organizing it's hosting it's performing it's music it's makeup it's it's theater it's comedy um, I think people forget how how kind of like qualified and like multifaceted drag performers are because we have like, all those things, you know. Um, but I started the house in 20, was it 2018? No, it was 20, kind of 2018, but we didn't go like public with it until like summer of last year. Um, so it's myself, uh, my good sister, Molly Rumswell, who I kind of gave her her start in drag because we both went to GSU um it's my sister season alexander her daughter Kinzara season my drag husband and my in real life partner aries alexander um and my two daughters Ivana alexander and ruby fiasco um and we're just like
0: all like perform together or
2: we do from time to time i do um i'm the kind of drag mother where like yes you're attached to my name and you're in my house but you also have to like these opportunities to perform Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna put like my baby drag daughter on the stage when she can't even like fully perform to the best of her ability um but sometimes we do group performances we did we we did last year we did a good number of like kind of like group shows like performing together uh we did this really fun adams family number in october around pride um which i think is still like one of my favorite experiences with you know performing with my house But, you know, a lot of what we do is sometimes not even in drag. Sometimes I'll ask them to, like, help out with events. Like, we have um, drive-in drag shows that are happening this upcoming weekend. And, you know, half of the house. That's
0: super exciting.
2: I'm so excited. (laughs) I also feel very rusty. I'm like, I haven't performed in months. Like, I'm going to have to, like, work out a little bit before the show. But, (laughs) but yeah, like, being around drag and, like, because drag, as much as you are on stage and performing, is also who you are off stage. Mm. And so you can't be a full-fledged, fully well-rounded performer if you're also not like, being that in your day-to-day life with your community. So you have to show up. And so that's, that's part of what I try to teach the families that like, yes, perform to the best of your ability, but also like take that like, energy that you have on stage and also apply it to other aspects of your life.
0: So I know that you have a new album out. I've been jamming to your music all weekend.
2: Um, So my first real album was called Hologram. It came out in 2018. It was only six songs, Uh, but this new one, I think I'm going to have it in nine songs. Um, And, you know, I like shorter albums. I don't like long albums. Um, I kind of just want to like say what I have to say and then dip out. Um, (laughs) But it's it's kind of like a, um, how should I say this? It's kind of like a, a collage or like a a collection of just things I felt over the past two years um, since I started working on it. I started working on it like, I actually, I, Romeo, the, no, actually, that's not right. Say What You Mean I wrote three months before my last album came out in
1: 2018.
2: Mm-hmm. And Romeo that I released earlier this year, I wrote the day that my album came out in 2018. So I've been working on it for like a minute um but it's also like you know me processing you know if atlanta is the place for me to be i had a long period of time where i was like atlanta's changing it's gentrifying everybody that i love in the city is either moving out of the city because they can't afford to live here Mm. some of them are dying you know i lost three friends in the month of august of
1: 2018
2: and it feels like every year i lose more friends so it's just like everybody that you know, made this city magical or just like they're leaving. So maybe Atlanta's not the space for me. I'm also like not 30 and don't own a home yet. So it's just like, should I use this time to just explore all the options? Um, but also being afraid that if I move out of Atlanta and try to come back, will I be kind of like accepted and like, and, you know, welcome back, you know? Um, but it's also an album that talks about me going to therapy therapy for the first time in my life. Uh, really? And yeah, I started going to therapy 2019. I am actively in search of a new therapist, but I'm kind of waiting until COVID-19 is more manageable because online therapy is just not...
0: Not the same. No,
2: not, not the same. The same. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's kind of about a finding ther- find a therapist. It's about accepting that I'm depressed and that I have been depressed um it's accepting also that like life is just a whole bunch of questions and living is just finding all the answers yeah. so like me trying to have my whole entire life figured out before I'm 30 it's just not realistic at all like that's only 30 years of life and i hope to have twice as much as that left over like i hope to be that person at 90 who's just like you know sitting on the porch telling everybody like well back in my day we used to have Facebook and like (laughs) that's what I want to be and I have to accept the fact that like I'm not gonna have all the answers I'm gonna probably make up my mind about something now and then change it completely three years from now and that's that's completely fine so 1993 is more about like uh, the journey and kind of like where I've been in the past few years and I kind of I've kind of decided that like my albums will function in different ways. Like Hologram was kind of more about social media and technology and kind of like, you know, kind of more up, up an upbeat record. Um, sure. So I think, like, I'm going to do a really happy record, Hologram, maybe a little bit more serious and kind of like sad record, 1993. And I'm already working on my next album after that. So that one's happy <laughs> lucky. So,
0: so, okay. My last question for you is, what does being queer in the South mean to you?
2: Hmm. We just have that flavor. I mean, being in the South, I think, and this is partially why SFQP uses a lot of like food imagery in our designs yeah, because that's also like attached to the South. Um, but also like, we just have our own flavor. Like I, I can't really speak to like, New York or like San Diego or like Chicago because I've never lived in those places but I think being in the South is like equal part gritty and it's also equal part just like beautiful and amazing and I love especially like being here in Atlanta like I feel like it's kind of changing right now because everything is getting gentrified but my favorite thing about Atlanta is that it's gritty and it's grimy but that's the beautiful thing about it like everybody's out here like Hustling. Everybody's out here, like, trying to like build community and friendships and relationships, and and make art that speaks to people, even if they like don't have the budget to really do it. Like, everybody's out here working, and I've noticed that, especially through work with SFQP, like, all throughout the South, that's that's the kind of like formula. We're all trying to make something out of nothing, and I think sometimes that's where the most beautiful kind of like culture and art exists. So like my favorite things to do is like you know i love living in atlanta but my favorite places to go is like durham north carolina that's like my second home and then also like new orleans which is like its own entire world down there and across the board i feel like queer southerners just make it work when we don't have all the resources you know i'm not saying that new york is like fully resourced and that nobody's struggling there but I feel like queer community and queer resources are more readily available in these like big metropolitan areas outside of the South. And so when you're from the South and you're trying to make something out of nothing, you kind of have to hustle and like become very like inventive. And uh that's one of the that's one of the beautiful things I love about being a queer southerner.
0: Ah, great answer. Thank you so <laughs> much, Taylor. It was wonderful having you on the show. And um I want to add to keep up with them, you can find them at TaylorAlexander.com and on Instagram and Facebook. Um, To see their wonderful activist work, go to Southern Fried. QueerPride.com or follow the organization and the House of Alexander on Instagram, SFQP and House of Alexander. And of course, we'll include the links to all of these sites on our blog and on the episode description. Make sure you head over to Bandcamp to get your copy of their new digital album, hopefully dropping in October. But we'll keep you updated.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been so good to see you and talk to you. that's
1: all we have for today india my co-host and i would love it if you would follow us on social media subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts don't forget to leave us a review and we'll catch you on the next episode of seven queries
0: some credits production your hosts india and aubrey audio mixing by allison holly story research aubrey calvin editing india bastian This is Southern Queries. Enjoy a little clip from Taylor Alexander's single, Romeo.